It is time for another episode of By All Means right here on Western Reserve Radio. It is Season 3, Episode 17, 95 overall. So the countdown to 100 episodes has begun. The show is always presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit MillCreekMetroParks.org for more information. Find us on Facebook. Just look for Western Reserve Radio on Twitter. It's at WR underscore radio. Download the Live 365 or TuneIn apps to listen to any of our shows or games or head on over to westernreserveradio.com. So as the uh, proud flagship of the Youngstown Phantoms, we figured we should be talking to the sixth head coach in a Phantoms history. We are joined on the phone from the Chicagoland area with the new head coach. That is Ryan Ward. Coach, first off, welcome to the Valley, and thanks for some time to join us. I'm excited, obviously, to be the, the next head coach of the Phantoms, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on this afternoon. So, uh, kind of, you know, kind of take us through it a little bit. What style, what type of hockey should we expect from your team this fall? Yeah, I think I think our team is, you know, will be an in-your-face type of team. Uh, I, I strongly believe in letting the guys be creative and make plays. And um, more than anything, we just want to possess the puck, right? And we want to be hard to play against. Uh, with the puck, it's hard to play against without it. And when we don't have it, we want to get it back as fast as we can. And um, I think you're going to see an aggressive style that um, is always in your face. And we're going to always kind of be on the attack. And, and our guys are going to have the, the room to make plays and be creative. And, um, you know, within our structure and, and certainly uh, have five-man attacks up the ice and, and defend five hard coming back. I know you haven't been the coach all that long, but have you had a chance to talk to any of the the boys so far? Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny. I've I've pretty much touched base with uh, every one of them now, and just you know wanted to get a feel for for them and their family, and and kind of what they're looking forward to this summer. And probably the most exciting thing for me is. Uh, in, in talking with all the guys here, um, you know, everyone's kind of back after it, getting ready for camp. So I think there's uh, a lot to be excited about, obviously, with the, with the whole organization. And um, I think, you know, in talking with the guys, just some of the things we're implementing and, and uh, the commitment from ownership and, and the management staff, um, you know, I think, we're, I think everyone's raring to go here for the 22-23 season. So when you look at the upcoming year, you've got quite a bit of players returning. You've got a couple of assistant coaches returning. You know, how do you how do you kind of talk to the players and you know kind of reassure them about the upcoming season and you know where their place is with the team and on the roster and with a new guy making the decisions this year? Yeah, I mean, I think listen, we, there's a there's a great core in place. I think the skeleton of the organization is, is strong ownership and, and everyone's done a great job. Um, for me personally, it's just getting to know the guys right now and setting the expectation of how our days and weeks are going to look and, and, you know, how our uh, culture is going to change a little bit. And um, really, they're going to have to come in and earn it. And I think uh, I think that's something that they want to do. And um, they're committed to, obviously, you know, as a coach, you lean on some of your older guys. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like everyone in Youngstown and everyone wearing the Phantoms jersey is going to get what they earn every single day. And I think uh, top to bottom, our, our coaching staff and, and everyone's excited about it. And, um, you know, working with the guys that are returning uh, on our staff has been incredible. Andy Kahn, Toy, and Brandon Zagak, and along with our giant. I mean, just the, the overall plan and, and vision is so so aligned right now, and and, and the content and curriculum of what we're going to have and, and on the ice, uh, just everything's kind of lined up perfectly. 
Let's take a couple minutes to, 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 to get I'm our sorry, structure. I'm sorry, we lost you for a second. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Did you get me? We lost you for just a second. Go ahead, Coach. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I just think everyone's really aligned, and we're all looking forward to next year. So let's uh, let's take a minute. Let's learn a little bit about you and uh, kind of uh, what were your playing days like, and how did those shape you into the coach you are today? Yeah, to be honest with you, I uh, I grew up playing. I was never very good, to be completely honest with you. But uh, you know, I think for me, more importantly, I was surrounded when I got into coaching um, and, and all the video and things like that. I was surrounded by great people and um, mentors and coaches that. Uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to have worked with some of the best guys in the world, uh, you know, in the National Hockey League and, and on a world stage. So um, I think you take a little bit from everyone that you work with and, and everyone that you um, are surrounded by. I think you, uh, you know, add a little piece of their of their philosophy to yours and you kind of come up with, with how you want to play and, and how you want to be as a coach. I know you've been around the, the league for the for the last couple of years, and the question I've always wondered is, as a coach, as a staff, as an organization, how do you balance the, the academics for the younger players, their goals of wanting to either play professionally or you know get a scholarship to play at the collegiate level, and the fact that while doing all of those things, you still want to try and win at the same time? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, the USHL is a development hockey league, right? And we're, we're, our job here is to develop these student-athletes into, um, you know, players and people. And, and I think that when you see uh, how hard these guys work and, and the time that they put in day after day and week after week with their academics in the school, um, our job is to provide the resources for them to have success in every facet of their life. So um, it's definitely a, a thing where you, you know, you teach the boys how to, how to manage their time and, um, you know, for us as an organization, as a staff, we have to provide the right structure and, um, you know, the people around them and the resources for, so that they have the, the utmost success and, and have a chance to optimize themselves uh, every day that they come to the rank and in the classroom um, and, you know, just kind of be great teammates and, and make sure that they're um, obviously readying themselves for the real world. When you look at the organization as a whole and, you know, whether you're on the phone or on social media or meeting with a, a potential player that you're interested in, in bringing in, how nice is it to be able to say, you know, you can put the TV on, you can see Kyle Connor having success at Michigan at the collegiate level, now in the National Hockey League, signing the big deal that he did a couple years ago. And you could say, you know, he played here, he developed here, and we can try and do the same thing for you. Yeah, I mean it's huge. Obviously, stories like Kyle Connor are are you know abundant in the in the USHL, and um, it, it, let's face it, it's the it's the top junior league in the world, and and to have the opportunity to play in the league against the best competition um, is is great from a league perspective. And then when you when you drill it down to Youngstown, I think uh, everyone in the organization, players, staff, um, ownership, is committed to making Youngstown the destination um, to play junior hockey. Um, just the level of of commitment and some of the things the, the ownership and management are doing uh, for now and the future um, is going to make Youngstown a, a place that, that people are wanting are going to want to come play. And um, I think our, our players are super excited about that. And in my early talks with everyone, I mean, the opportunity that, that these players are going to get to go on and play in the NCAA and, and 
ultimately, like our job is to get them ready to play in the National Hockey League and, and with the routine and structure that we put in place. But um, there's no question that the Youngstown Phantoms and the city of Youngstown has a ton to look forward to. Um, just with the with the group of people coming back and, and kind of the commitment from the ownership and uh, the whole organization to, to make Youngstown a premier spot in the United States Hockey League. On the phone with the sixth head coach in Phantoms history, Ryan Ward. Uh, and coach, you've had a lot of opportunities in your hockey career to do a lot of different things, whether it's you know, be on the bench or uh, be part of the front office and the development of a team. Now taking that step in you know, being a head coach and the USHL, you know, kind of take me through your thought process of, you know, your goals, your aspirations, your thoughts about, you know, making, you know, the decisions come down to you now. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And it's something that um, obviously as you go through any career, whether it's in business or coaching or sports, um, you, you know, you want to make sure that you arrive when, when you're ready. And I think, um, you know, part of, part of kind of what you do as a young guy, especially a young coach is, you want to gather as much experience as you possibly can and make sure that when you're put into situations that you, um, you know, have been there before. And I think for me, um, I have been extremely fortunate to, to like I said earlier, um, work with some of the, the brightest and, and best people in, in the industry. And um, now, you know, obviously I think it's, uh, I feel completely uh, obviously ready to take kind of the next step here. And, and um, you know, when you're the head coach, you, you obviously, um, you know, things come down to some of the decisions you make and obviously you rely heavily on your staff and, um, but every stop along the way teaches you something and you take something from it. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, the, the people and the mentors I've had and the players I've, I've been able to coach, um, you know, it's just been a, a, a unbelievable process. And I think it's um, the support that you have along the way kind of shapes you as you as you take these opportunities. And you've also, you know, had some connections and some relationships with people that have ties back to the Valley and back to the yeah. organization. How much did that help you in, you know, learning more about the organization and finding out that, you know, you were excited to be a part of it, hopefully? Yeah, Anthony Noreen and I um, were, you know, we've always been extremely tight. Anthony's one of my better friends in the in the um, sport, and, and he and I had the opportunity to work together with the Toronto Maple Leaf organization, and to be completely honest with you, it's, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like a fate situation there. I think Anthony got his start in Youngstown, and um, you know he spoke extremely highly of the entire organization, and um, obviously he got to work with Mr. Zolden. And I think um, I think for for me um, having that you know those talks when throughout this process with Anthony, and um, you know just how much he loved his time in Youngstown um, made it all that more exciting, right? And I think uh, when you when you have someone um, like Anthony and, and people that I've been surrounded by um, that I respect so much talk so highly of a situation, I think it makes it a, a natural fit. We mentioned earlier, you know, you're in the Chicago land area, but uh, where do your where does the uh, the fandom for the National Hockey League? Who's your team? And kind of take us through that a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you when you work in the league and, and you work with so many players throughout their career, you you kind of don't have a uh, uh, one team, so to speak, you're more rooting for the guys that you know and the players and the coaches that you've worked with. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I was very fortunate to be part of the, the St. Louis Blues 
organization the year that we won the Stanley Cup and, and uh, you know, seeing those guys go back to the playoffs and have success with Craig Berube and the people involved there. And then, you know, obviously, um, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs with Sheldon Keefe has been a huge influence on my on my coaching career. And um, Dean Chenault is on that staff who I worked with in New York. So you're kind of rooting for the people behind the scenes and the players that you've worked with um, to have success. And it's less of a one-team thing and more of just really hoping that the people that you've uh, crossed paths with crossed paths with um, end up having success at the highest level. You mentioned a moment ago the USHL, the you know the top junior league in the country. What is it about this league that you think makes it the top developmental league in the country? Yeah, I mean every single night the the parity of competition is is phenomenal, and, and you know you're going up against some of the best coaches and some of the best players, and um, you know you have to be pre- be prepared. And it's a hard league, it's a fast league, it's a skilled league, um, and, and quite honestly, the the collection of players is um, top notch. So I, I think there's just a lot that goes into it. Obviously, these um, you know small mid American cities. Um, that live and breathe hockey in the in the Midwest. It makes it all that more special. So, um, you know, it is a, a extremely extremely special situation to be in. You're surrounded by players that are are just completely hungry to get to the next level, and um, you know that intensity follows through every single day when you come to the rink. And um, you know, it's just an unbelievable league to be a part of. Coach, we're excited to have you. We're uh, looking forward to continue uh, this relationship as the uh, streaming flagship of the Phantoms here on Western Reserve Radio. Thank you for a couple of minutes of your time, and uh, we look forward to getting to know you once you're back in town here. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me, guys, and uh, I look forward to a great 22-23 season. That is the sixth head coach in Youngstown Phantoms history, Ryan Ward, joining us on the phone here on By All Means. And uh, uh, we will be sure to talk to him, I'm sure, quite a bit over the upcoming months as we get ready uh, for his first season behind the bench uh, running this Phantoms organization. And uh, looking forward to all of the things that we will have the chance to talk to him about over the upcoming months as the uh, – uh, and Dave can attest to it. The the season uh, it, it feels like it's it's right around the corner, and then we start another one, and it, it's almost almost year long with everything that goes on. So we are definitely looking forward to being a part of that. We've got what's trending coming up here in in a couple minutes, and like we normally do, we're gonna bounce around. We're gonna talk some hockey. We're going to talk some Browns. We're going to talk some Buckeyes as well as uh, some Buckeyes Youngstown State news uh, since we last talked to you last week that we will get to as well. And some good news for the Penguin basketball program as well as a familiar face has chose to return uh, for the upcoming season this fall. So we will talk about that familiar name as well and uh, also some large sums of money being thrown around in the last couple of days if you're a penguins or a, a browns fan and that uh, will get you caught up on those as well with those couple of contract signings and then don't forget coming up right around 5:40, our friend scott Sargent from waiting for next year will join us that's waiting for next year.com and uh, he'll have a lot to uh, get to as well. want to ask him the interesting thought about are things backwards for the Guardians this year because we expected dominant pitching 
and we've gotten mm, average to okay pitching, but it's been the offense that has been impressive so far this year for the Guardians. We'll talk about you know what to expect from those two. Can the offense continue? Can the pitching turn it around after a short spring training? kind of what the thoughts are on that as well. And we'll, we'll ask him about Jadavion Clowney because there were rumors out there that they tried to get him on a multi-year deal. We'll see what he knows. It's by all means on Western Reserve Radio. By all means, continues here on Western Reserve Radio. Thank you to Coach Ward from the Phantoms for joining us for a couple of minutes. As always, the show brought to you by Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit MillCreekMetroParks.org for more information. And uh, to me, and not a golfer, I've tried. I'm not good at it. But if I was going to go golfing, today's the day I would head, head to Mill Creek because it's just about perfect out there, Dave. Oh, it is. I didn't. As much as I like to golf, but can't golf, and let's be honest. <laughs> um, I've seen you club. Yeah. I, not lying. No. I like to play what they call, what is it, gnome golf? Uh, go find your ball in the woods. Right. Uh, but, yeah, today, this is the perfect weather, actually, this week. I'm, I'm like, up until Friday when it's going to rain, but just it's perfect overcast. It's not too hot. Yeah. I'd love to be out on the links right now. So you know how I mentioned a lot of money was thrown around this week if you're a fan of some of the teams in the area. None how about this in my one? Yard. No, no, mine neither. I still haven't found that money tree. I keep looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> Hidden somewhere. So the Penguins, they gave a six-year contract extension to the former Notre Dame hockey player Brian Rust. Six years, $30.75 million. So it makes me wonder, because I, I, I asked Wes Euler this a couple weeks back, because the question was, you know, Rust is a free agent, Latang is a free agent, Malkin is a free agent. If you wasted little to no time after the season was over to extend Brian Rust, who is the youngest of these three players, and you give him a six-year extension close to $31 million, I don't know if Latang and Mulkin are coming back in Penguins jerseys at all. No, it doesn't sound that way. I, I'm pretty sure Latang and Mulkin are going to be on the chopping block. I mean, you're not going to bring in a young kid for that much money and try and retain the other two unless they're coming back with contracts that are going to be next to nothing from what they've had in the past. You might might have the possibility of getting a organizational-friendly deal from Mulkin but Latang right now, the big money is out there for him, especially with the way he played this past year. So I think he's he's looking for a long-term deal as much as, yeah, would he like it to be in Pittsburgh? Probably. Does he know I want my jersey to hang, you know, in my office next door and him still to actually be, you know, be wearing it? Probably not. But I, I think he's had headed to, uh, you know, a different rink for the fall. Yeah, probably. And he'll probably end up down south. I wouldn't doubt if he doesn't land somewhere like Vegas or uh, down in Florida. So, uh, yeah, Florida and hockey just doesn't sound right, but the teams doesn't. down there are actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they're not bad. Uh, everybody yeah, Arizona, down there. maybe not so much, but Vegas, right. Florida, yeah, those teams are pretty good. Here, more money being thrown around. The Browns, unable to get a multi-year deal done with Javion Clowney, able to settle on a one-year deal. How about this, Dave? $11 million for Jadavion Clowney, reportedly, 
for one year. You know what? I would have put in his contract, it's a million per sack. <laughs> it's pretty close to the numbers from last year. Exactly. I mean, he, he's, he's another a year without Clowney on that line. That's too big of a hole to fill. But I, I can see why he only did a one-year deal. He wants to fill this team out and see what it's going to be like for a year. I I think he's going to go year to year. And just, we all want to know what it's going to be like. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> hey, the sergeant's up next, so we'll see what it comes up with. Right. That. But, uh, yeah, I mean, do you blame him? I mean, the way this team has been over the past two, three years, I mean, you're, you're sitting there and you're holding uh, Baker Mayfield out in the wind right now. Who knows what's going on with that? Who knows if we're eating the contract, if we're giving him up, if he's going to get a – if we're going to trade him to somebody else at this point, I don't think there's going to be a trade. I think it's going to be all three of those. They're going to trade him. They're going to, which obviously means they give him up and they're probably going to have to eat a large portion of that contract to get his name off the roster. But, or do you keep him, pay him since you're paying him anyways and just keep him on the bench? I mean, he ain't going to like it, but you know what? You're well, paying they him. Could give- <laughs> they could give me the $18 million then. That's a that's a waste. Right. Well, it's it's a waste no matter what. It's a waste if you get rid of them, too, and you're still paying them $18 million. Well, it would be – I mean, a lot of times deals are done like that where, you know, a team will pick up a portion of the contract just to <clears throat> get rid of him. Yeah. We've seen that happen before. Okay. On to the college ranks of things. Former Ohio State safety Marcus Hooker, who is a Newcastle native – uh, enter the transfer portal. He is a grad student out of Ohio State. He entered the transfer portal a couple months ago and officially announced within the last few days that he is transferring to Youngstown State for his final year of eligibility. Uh, everybody you know, is familiar with uh, you know Malik Hooker, his brother, who I believe is still with the Colts after coming out of Ohio State. So uh, Marcus will have one year to play some safety at the back end of the defense for for Youngstown State coming from Ohio State. Which is a huge, huge for Youngstown State. His talent coming out of Ohio State, coming into Youngstown, this is exactly what the Youngstown State backfields needed. Because I couldn't tell you how many times Youngstown State got burnt in the backfield last year especially yeah. on some d- deep routes that shouldn't have been man wide open. I mean, Hooker's going to have a good year coming into YSU. Uh, I mean, it's it's a, obviously it's a step down in competition from, you know, uh, FCS to FBS football. Right. But, you know, he's coming in, he's got his degree, so he'll be working in the grad program for this year. And uh, that's the thing. There was a... It wasn't the best year last year. The cover didn't really have a lot in it for Youngstown State, so I think things can only look up in the future. I believe they open up with Duquesne uh, for the first game for this year. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those where if somebody like that that didn't play a lot at Ohio State for you know various reasons has a chance to come in and you know, can contribute, especially in the secondary, that's a big get. Right, but still, whether he played or not, he was at Ohio State. If he didn't have talent, he wouldn't have been at Ohio State. For the most part. So, 
I mean, it doesn't hurt when your brother already played there, then you, you follow him there. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't hurt, but that doesn't happen for everybody. There's been players that have played at Ohio State, and their brothers were playing at Youngstown State. So, Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of that over the years. Right. So, yeah, you got to have some it, it's talent gonna... to be playing at Ohio State. They just don't pick up anybody and have you on the roster just because of your name. No? No. <laughs> yeah, there's, Sorry, there's Mark, definitely you're never a... getting drafted. <laughs> but I, I still have eligibility left. I have all five years. Me too. <laughs> Which you're, you're saying it's not going to happen. I'm pretty sure it's not happening for either one of us. <laughs> oh, I had a, such a letdown. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's take it from Youngstown State football to Youngstown State basketball. After entering the transfer portal a couple months back, Garrett Covington, who missed most of last season uh, with an Achilles injury. I think he only played it maybe the first four or five games, you know, something like that. Didn't play much. Uh, entered the portal, decided to return to Youngstown State for his sixth season of eligibility, uh, missing most of last year with that uh, Achilles injury. And uh, they got a lot of transfers that are that are coming in. Uh, to join the roster, you know, this winter, and uh, getting a guy like Garrett Covington back is huge for the coaching staff. And uh, glad he decided to stay here in Youngstown and, and finish out his playing days. Yeah, it's nice to see that he's actually going to come back. He's not going to transfer somewhere else. So, and, and I think this is something that YSU can build on for this season is having him back. Um, be honest, earlier this season, YSU looked really good. They didn't really have any problems until they reached the end of the season with the playoffs. Yeah, you know, injuries caught kind of caught up to them uh, at the end of the year. I mean, Covington's injury was at the beginning, but the, they, they had a few more injuries at the end of the year. And uh, for having a nice season and, you know, giving the, the opportunity to play in postseason play, the, the run or lack thereof in the Horizon League tournament this year was a little disappointing. But you know what? Based on what I've read, with him coming back and some of the transfers that are coming in, I think they could be a dark horse to win a Horizon League title this year. Oh, I do too. I mean, they've got the talent, and we'll see what the freshman class looks like coming in. So it's it's all on the court. Let's just uh, see what's going to happen. But, yeah, I do agree with you. They could be a dark horse coming in the back end of the Horizon League. It will it will be one of those where you know, and I've I've read some of the you know, the national people talking about you know how well they did, uh, you know, in the recruiting portal, bringing in uh, some players, some real high scorers too. And, and, and let's be honest about it, it, it's not really about playing defense. It's it's about who can put the ball in the basket as much as possible. And you know, get an occasional stop or two along the way, and that's kind of trickled down to every level of the game. Yeah, and that's that's what you want. I mean, you want to build and you want to be able to just uh, bring them in and see exactly what these guys are going to do as a team. Because, be, face it, you could be the best player and be a great recruit, but you just don't gel with the rest of the team. And it's happened. It happens everywhere. It happens in pro sports. You know, I always like to say when we look at players coming in, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a five-star recruit. That's a four-star recruit. Once you get to campus and you sign your scholarship, those stars don't mean anything. It's what you do once you get on campus, as you said, how you gel with your teammates and your coaching staff, and above all, the fact that you go to class, you stay eligible so you can play when the time comes. 
And that's exactly it. you, you got to stay eligible. And uh, there has been players that have had that issue that the grades just didn't let them play. And um, I commend the coaches at Youngstown State because they actually keep the word. And if you don't make the grades, you don't play. Right. Absolutely. That, that's always been part of it. It's, uh, you know, infer, enforced more at some schools than, than others. It's all about, you know, keeping the grades so you can spend some time on the floor. Coming up here in just a few seconds, we will have our next break. As I mentioned, our, our friend Scott Sargent from Waiting for Next Year is going to join us, going to bounce around, and we'll ask him a few questions. We'll touch Guardians. We'll touch uh, Cavs with the, the, the draft lottery coming up. Uh, we'll look at the Browns. We'll get his thoughts on the whole uh, issue with Baker Mayfield. And, uh, you know, why was it uh, a smart move for Clowney to only sign for one year? Or uh, would you have liked to see him maybe wrapped up for a couple seasons longer? So it's Scott Sargent. You can find his stuff and his great staff. Look for waitingfornextyear.com. And don't forget, coming up here throughout the summer, going to have your opportunity to win some Mahoning Valley Scrappers tickets from us. And uh, hopefully we will uh, – we'll, we'll, it's going to keep it on, on the down low when that's going to be. And I feel like I've talked so much that uh, I missed a commercial break, Dave. No, we didn't miss it. You've got two minutes yet. <laughs> two minutes yet? Two minutes yet. Are the times off again? The times are off again, and I do not know why. Because <laughs> I looked at everything before we went on the air and sent them to you. You and- did, and I, I, I wrote them down and was relying on them and – Yep, me too. <laughs> so I have no idea this program sometimes just does what it wants. It wants us to talk longer, obviously. It did the same exact thing to us last week. It did do the same exact thing to us last week. And we still don't know what is causing that issue. We still don't know what's causing that issue. Please do not throw it out the window and take a baseball bat to it. I don't think Mr. Craven would be happy with us if that happened. Uh, no, he probably wouldn't, but I might be. <laughs> Well, it's relieving stress, but then you have to rebuild it all again. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I don't know how, how excited you would be about having to rebuild everything. Yeah, I'm not that excited. Hey, while we have a few seconds, we can also let everyone know, I mentioned it earlier, five episodes away from 100, and you and I have been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. We're gonna, uh, we're looking forward to the chance that a lot of our friends are going to travel nicely to join us for a roundtable discussion in the studio. Yeah, hopefully this all comes uh, about and we can get everybody in. And It is a small studio, so we'll, we'll filter people in and out as we need to. Let's be honest. It's a small studio with a lot of big guys. Let's be that, let's be frank about that's it. That's true. It is a large studio with a lot of big guys. So that will uh, that'll be coming up five weeks from now as we are trying to coordinate all of that. And who knows? It might turn it into a might double the show for that that special episode. Yeah, we'll as long see. as the the producer can get the clock working. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's going to be the issue. No. Okay. So are we ready to take that break? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and take it. Uh, All right, we'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll have Scott Sargent from Winning for Next Year on the phone with us. We hope. It's by all means on Western Reserve Radio. 
By all means, continues here on Western Reserve Radio, brought to you by friends at Mill Creek Golf Course. Back to the phones. Our friend Scott Sargent, waiting for next year, is on the phone. Scott, I hope everything is well with you and and family and everything, and uh, you're enjoying some nice weather up there in Cleveland. Yeah, no complaints. Certainly uh, much different than the last time we chatted in the thick of uh, Cavs season, where it tends to be uh, not as nice. So uh, no complaints, and I appreciate the time. So you mentioned the Cavs. I'm going to bounce around and touch on you know each of the, the Cleveland professional sports teams, but I want to start there. I read a mock draft, and one that I like to always follow, that had Malachi Branham from Ohio State to the Cavs at 14. What do you think of that move? Yeah, I, it's so much can happen between now and, and then, and I think you know we, 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 we all know in, in the media world that mock drafts sell. Uh, and then and, and get and get clicks and things like that, and so much can happen between workouts and uh, you know potential injuries and things. You know, at, at the end of the day, the Cavs need to figure out the wing position. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's any secret. Every every GM, including those in Cleveland, uh, know that they need to get a, a two way wing going if uh, if this team's going to get to the next level. So you know. If, if, you know, whatever means, be it through the draft, you know, and no, no pun intended, uh, you know, through the draft or, or, you know, a trade or free agency, expect them to, to, to attack that wing position, uh, and then expect that, that mock draft slot. Uh, you know, clearly an Ohio State player is gonna, is gonna raise a lot of eyebrows for fans in, in the Cleveland region, but odds are, uh, you know, it, a lot could change between now and then. You know, another Ohio State name that I, I found interesting was this draft had E.J. Liddell following all the way to the second round. And I wonder, you know, he decided he you know, showed that he was interested in, in coming out before last year uh, and then came back. And I thought his numbers really improved. But, you know, I, I wonder, you know, where does his game translate at the next level? You know, a, a lot of fans, you know, the co- common sense would tell you another year of development would would put you higher in the draft. Um, the, you know, age models out there will tell you otherwise. And, and staying another year tends to not work to your benefit. Uh, you know, think of the NFL as well, right? I mean, between like the Olave Garrett Wilson, you know, discussion. You know, clearly, you know, one of them coming back and, and having a great season would uh, would in, in, in most places tell you that they should go higher in the draft, but you know obviously not always the case. Um, you know the you know so the you know NBA they're looking for upside and and things along those lines. So when when a player doesn't feel ready at age 19, a lot of times that kind of goes against them when they're you know if if they're if the players they're being compared to are a year younger, they're always going to be the the next one the the you know not chosen in that spot. So, you know, there's a good chance that he could have a great career. Uh, you know, he certainly has the pedigree to, to have a, a, a long career in this league if he puts the work in. But as it pertains to his draft slot, you know, those tend to go to players with higher upside that, that, that you know, don't always pan out. And that's why teams like San Antonio and the like end up getting really great players. Jordan Poole, for example, with Golden State, you know, good players who can be developed over a couple of years. Uh, because of because of that age, but uh, you know, but certainly, uh, you know, he has uh, you know Liddell has the, the the ability to be successful in the NBA as long as you know he continues the trajectory he's on and puts the work in, and and you know most importantly, unfortunately, in the NBA, it depends on where you go. 
And if, if he's willing to, if he ends up with a team that can develop him uh, and, uh, and not necessarily need to count on him day one, I think he'll be in a lot better spot. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I sat there and I watched the, you know, the draft lottery and I knew the odds of the Cavs getting you know anything besides, you know, 12, 13, 14 uh, wasn't very good. But then I looked at the, the draft as a whole and there's some interesting players, but I, to me, I don't even think there's a real, a real clear cut number one. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be one of those years, right? And, I, and we were comparing it back, you know, behind the scenes at the site to, uh, you know, to the year Giannis ended up being, you know, clearly hindsight, the, the, the star in that, in that draft. But that, that draft was a lot of not going to be any game-changing players, and you just had to kind of find the right guy. And, and clearly Milwaukee did. Um, you know, there's a lot of players in that range playing on successful teams who were drafted then, you know, Bridges and Phoenix, for example, jumps out. Uh, but again, you need to have, you need to find the right team to develop. You need to be in the right space, uh, you know, for a team that has, that has a need at that position. And, uh, you know, that, that, that is why not to, not that the Cavs are showing their cards here, but you know, that, that wing position is going to be high demand and you just have to hope that uh, at, at their spot, they, they can address that need one way or the other, be it through draft or through trade. Let's bounce over and talk some baseball. It, it, it feels like the things have kind of been kind of backwards for the Guardians. You expected dominant pitching and concerns over swinging the bats. And I'm not saying the offense has been incredible, but it, it, it's been, to me, better than I expected it to be. And the pitching has kind of underperformed. It's been backwards. That's baseball, right? I mean, they're, you, they're, that's why they, you know, as much as I think many people would like the season to be shortened and make each game a little more important, uh, you know, it's, it's a games of runs, not just in the way of hot streaks and cold streaks, but with the way, you know, positional units and things along those lines uh, react. You know, typically in Cleveland, to your point, uh, pitching tends to win out first because it's colder, you know, barrels may not be getting around as quick. Uh, and the ball may not be traveling as far because it because of the, because of the temperature. But um, you know what this team needs is to maintain the uh, the offensive prowess they have and let the pitching do what it's supposed to be doing. There, there, I have no doubt that the pitching will will get to where it it, uh, it was expected to be. You just need to hope that they that they didn't miss on some windows here with uh, with the bats. Uh, you know, you've you've seen years of guys like Jose Ramirez, for example, be traditionally slow starters. Um, and then if, if the offense can just keep it going and uh, most importantly, you know, stay healthy, uh, once the arms start coming around, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, this team will be, will be clicking. Uh, but they, they certainly are going to have an uphill climb and they have to be, you know, the, the, the safety net is not as big, uh, you know, for, for the Guardians. So hopefully that, that happens sooner than later. It's interesting because, you know, obviously, you know, I've never stepped in the box of the big leagues, but I watched Framil Reyes and, he just he looks completely lost like not even guessing at what's coming just up there just swinging from uh, from the shoe tops trying to make contact and drive a ball out of the ballpark yeah he's a little pedro serrano in him right now right um you know you watch you watch him and you're wondering you know how if you know he's a professional baseball player and you wonder what 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 happened but again much like you know we just talked about with the pitching that's going to come around um you know either there's an injury or, you know, pitchers really found him out, and you know, this late in his career, which I really doubt, um, or, they, or he just figures it out and gets out of this slump. But, you know, I, I would suspect 
uh, you know, Fran Mill is going to be, you know, by this, by this point a month or so down the road, uh, you know, that bat, you know, that we, that we're all expecting just a little bit later to the party. Because I mean, the middle of the order is not too bad when it when it's clicking with you know Jose Ramirez and and Naylor and, and Framil when he figures it out. That that's a nice little little middle of the lineup. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And you know the the fact that uh, and not to make it all about Stephen Kwan, but him playing in a way that can put him in the, that two hole and and allow everyone else to bump down the lineup a little bit uh, is is ex- exponentially valuable. Um, you know, rather than having a, you know, seven through nine or a six through nine that, uh, you know, you were, you, you, you entered each inning hoping for the best, um, you know, they, they really put that, you know, his, his production early on, you know, and, you know, outside of the, the, you know, the, the head injury for, for a couple of games, um, you know, really put this team in a spot where when all things are clicking and everyone's healthy, they have the ability to feel the lineup that uh, that is, that is a little bit more respectful than I think many thought coming into it, and just the ability to bump guys down a little bit can uh, can really change a game uh, when you when you when you shorten and getting the middle of that order quicker through the rotation. So now you're not to make it about the guys you didn't bring up, but uh, you know when that kind of stuff happens, it really does help the rest of the lineup all the way through. And then hopefully we don't have to see as much as I like Rosario. I don't like him in left field. He makes me nervous every time a ball's hit that way. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 crazy because his bear, you know, in the in the batter's box, he's been he's been fine. He's been a bit arguably unlucky, um, but he's a man without a home right now, position wise. Uh, you know, with you know with the way you know shortstop is flushed out, and 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 you know they're they're going to need him in the in the in the lineup to your point to score runs. Uh, but but the days of experimenting with the field, um, I, I could they, they could be behind us, and I'd be thrilled. Um, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the days of putting Jason Kipnis or, or Carlos Santana in left field, just because you need him in the lineup. And uh, you know, that's 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 walking a tightrope at times. And uh, you know, we've seen earlier on, you know, many of the early games this year were were decided by defensive issues. And uh, you know, I, I like Rosario. I, I think he was a a solid addition last year, especially when they were trying to pick up the pieces left by Francisco Lindor. Um, but, you know, they got to figure out a way to keep him in the lineup and not risk, uh, you know, losing games by uh, by defensive mishaps out and left. Scott Sargent joining us, waiting for next year, waitingfornextyear.com. Scott, we got to finish talking a little Browns. And I want to start with the oh, – it hasn't been official from the organization, but, you know, the speculation that the Browns were able to get Genevieve Clowney to come back on a one-year deal reportedly for $11 million. But it was speculated the Browns tried to bring him in on a multi-year deal and could not do that. Do you think it's – he's still in a you know, wait-and-see with this organization on a one-year – just keep doing one-year contracts? Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. Um, you know, I think this team is in a place now where when you when you make Denzel Ward the highest paid cornerback in the league, and you're paying Miles Garrett, and you're paying this offensive line, and you're, uh, you know, at least for the next year, going to be paying Amari Cooper. Um, you you offer yourself less flexibility on these multi-year deals, and he probably wasn't seeing what he wanted to. Um, and if 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 you know, kudos to him for being a you know by all reports. Coming to Cleveland on a, on, a, on a bit of a hometown discount, based on based on what transpired last year, he had a he, I mean he had a great season, uh, especially for Jadavian. You know, nine sacks uh, was 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 a, a tremendous player outside of on the other side of Miles Garrett. 
but the the Browns are in a place now, much like the Chiefs and much like the Rams, you know, wins and and, and trophies notwithstanding, uh, where the the salary cap is going to be in a position where you're going to have to plug the gaps with some of these one-year deals, two-year deals, options, things along those lines with some of these veterans. Um, and this is probably the first of in a laundry list of as long as they're competitive of players that are going to be in, in this sort of in this sort of situation. And uh, you know, if he if he has a great year, uh, potentially he earns himself a raise over what he's making this year. But uh, you know, that's a, that he's, he's clearly betting on himself. And I would I would argue fewer players, you know, outside of Jadavian Clowney, uh, you know, are are better when motivated. Uh, you, you know, you saw in South Carolina uh, entering the draft where you know he did he clearly didn't play heading in, uh, and and when he has one year prove it deals, he tends to be a bit of a different player. And if the Browns can get him on that, uh, I think he could have worse things for this organization than a than a motivated uh, Jadavian Clowney looking for that next contract. So I, uh, I as a fan, I'll take it, uh, and I'm excited to see what this defense can do uh, with another year under their belt. You know, Scott, I think I'm required to, you know, contractually at least ask you one Baker Mayfield question. So here goes. Can the Browns <laughs> okay. resolve the Baker Mayfield problem without paying a large portion of his contract to another team? Depends on how you're defining the problem. Uh, and if, 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 the, if the problem is him still being on this roster, probably not. Um, but I do think they have time on their hands. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, it does sound like the Deshaun Watson situation, uh, air quotes over over a podcast are always fantastic, but they're uh, you know they they will have an idea of what they're up against here uh, for for the first half, if not full year, heading into the 2022 season. And I think once they get that information, how they how they uh, how they go about it will be will be determined. So I think we're we're still a few weeks away from this taking place. Uh, there's a chance he remains on this roster and they need to wait for uh, a team to have a need uh, into into training camp. Uh, but uh, I, I do think one way or the other, it, uh, it, it wasn't going to cost a draft pick, clearly, uh, but it's going to cost some actual dollars. And, uh, you know, that you know, is going to be the price of, uh, of having the situation, to use your term, that they have. And it's, uh, I, I, if, if, the, if the field is either $1 or no dollars, I'm going I'm to take the field on that one. Well, Scott, appreciate it as always. Always good to catch up with you, touching on every Cleveland sport right now, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon sometime. Thank you. Sounds again, Mark. Take care. Scott Sargent waiting for next year, waitingfornextyear.com, joining us as we wrap up today's show. We started things off with Ryan Ward, the head coach of the Youngstown Phantoms here on By All Means. Uh, next week, schedule permitting, our friend James Dotson will join us to recap this weekend's uh, Indy 500. Don't forget, this show is available in podcast form. Just search for By All Means on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and many of your favorite places to listen to podcasts, or follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore means that's at m-a-r-c underscore m-e-a-n-s for owner operator jim craven executive producer dave ferris my name is mark means you've been listening to by all means presented by milk creek golf course exclusively right here on western reserve radio